Hey, it's Nathaniel Avila reporting from Dallas County, and who am I here with? Hey, it's Tanya. Hello. Um, yeah, and what what are we talking about today? I believe we're talking about the Oakland Mystery Island Mystery. Yeah. What do you know about it? Um, to be honest, not very much. Yeah. Well, this is an old, old mystery that spans all the way back to 19, 1790s. Um, so yeah, so the Oak Island Mystery refers to, a, to stories of buried treasure and unexplained objects on or near Oak Island in Nova Scotia, um, which is in Canada. So let's, let's talk about it. So there's very little verified information that is known about early treasure related activities on Oak Island, thus allowing accounts, um, the following accounts are word of mouth stories going back to the late 18th century. So it wasn't until decades later that publishers began to pay attention to such activity and investigated the stories involved. The earliest known story of a treasure founded by a settler named Daniel McGuinness appeared in print in 1857. It then took another five years before one of the alleged original diggers gave a statement regarding the original story along with subsequent Onslow and Truro Company activities. So let's talk about the original story. So the original story by early settlers involves a dying sailor from the crew of Captain Kidd, the pirate, on which he states that treasure worth two million pounds had been buried on the island. It's pretty, pretty, that's a lot of, that's a lot of money. Yeah, that is. <laughs> so, according to the most widely held discovery story, Daniel McGinnis found a depression in the ground at around 1799 while he was looking for a location for a farm. McGinnis, who believed that the depression was consistent with the Captain Kidd story, sought help with digging with the assistance of two men identified only as John Smith and Anthony Vaughn. He, he excavated the depression and discovered a layer of flagstones, which are two feet below. Now, according to later accounts, oak platforms were discovered every 10 feet. However, the earliest accounts simply mention marks of some type of the of some type at these intervals. So the accounts also mentioned tool marks or pick scrapes on the walls of the pit and the earth was noticeably loose, not as hard-packed as the surrounding soil. So the three men reportedly abandoned the excavation at 30 feet due to superstitious dread. Another twist in the story um, was that has all four people involved as teenagers, uh, and in this rendering, McGinnis first finds the depression in 1795 while on a fishing expedition. The rest of the story is consistent uh, with the first involving the logs found, but ends with four, all four individuals giving up after digging as much as they could. So, what do you think about the original story? It's very interesting how superstitious people were in those days. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what do you think is what do you think is in there? I don't know. 
Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we will find out. So, in about 1802, a group known as the Onslow Company allegedly sailed from central Nova Scotia to Oak Island to recover what they believed to be hidden treasure. Now, they continued the excavation down at about 90 feet with layers of logs found at about every 10 feet and also discovered layers of charcoal, putty, and coconut fiber along with large stones inscribed with symbols. Oh, no! Symbols are always people's downfall. Uh Uh-huh. So the diggers then faced the dilemma when the pit flooded uh, with 60 feet 60 feet of water for unknown reasons. So the alleged excavation was eventually abandoned after workers attempted to recover the treasure from below by digging a tunnel from the second shaft that also flooded. Um, hmm. So what do you think about that? Someone didn't want them going to dig around. Was it the ocean? Ah. Now unless the ocean's like right there next to them. Mm-hmm. Probably the ancestor's ghost. It was the ancestor's ghost. What? Who's the ancestor's ghost? I don't know. Let's keep digging. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, the last major company of the unpublished era was called the Truro Company, uh, which was allegedly formed in 1849 by investors. Now, the pit was re-excavated back down to 86-foot level, but ended up flooding again. This was then decided to drill five boreholes using a pod auger into the original shaft. Now, the auger passed through a spruce platform of 98 feet, then hit layers of oak, something described as metal in pieces, another spruce layer, and clay for seven feet. This platform was hit twice each time metal was brought to the surface along with various other items such as wood and coconut fiber. So now there's there's metal in there. What? How'd that happen? Mm. So, another shaft was then dug 109 feet deep northwest of the original shaft, and the tunnel was once again branched off in an attempt to intersect treasure. Once again, though, seawater flooded this new shaft. Workers then assumed that the water was connected to the sea as the now flooded new pit rose and fell with each tide cycle. Now, the Now, the Truro Company shifted its resources to excavating a nearby cove known as Smith's Cove, where they found a flood tunnel system. When efforts failed to shut off the flood system, one final shaft was dug 118 feet deep with a branched-off tunnel going under the original shaft. (laughs) Sometime during the excavation of this new shaft, the bottom of the uh, original shaft collapsed. It was later speculated that the treasure had fallen through the new shaft into a deep void, causing the new shaft to flood as well. And the True Company then ran out of funds and was dissolved sometime in 1851. So yeah, that was the end of the True's Company thing. So what do you think about all that? Well, that sounds like it didn't want anyone having anything to do with them in that shaft or that treasure. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, so then the first this is the first published account. This is the first one that isn't just like legend or mythology mythological, uh, which actually took place in 1857 uh, when the Liverpool transcript mentioned a group digging for Captain Kidd's treasure on Oak Island. This would be followed by a more complete account by a justice of the peace in Chester, Nova Scotia in 1861, which also published in the transcript. <clears throat> However, the first published account of what had taken place on the island did not appear on October 16th, 1862, when Anthony Vaughn's memories were re oh, yeah, memories were recorded by the transcript for posterity. Activities regarding the Onslow and Truro companies were also included that mentioned the mysterious stone and the Truro-owned auger hidden wooden platforms along with the metal in pieces. The accounts based in the Liverpool transcript articles also ran, the, ran in the Nova Scotian, the British colonist, and is mentioned in the 1895 book called A History of Lunenburg County. So... Now we're going to move into what is known as the early excavations. So the next major excavation attempt was carried out by 1861 by a company called the Oak Island Association. The original pit was re-excavated to a depth of 88 feet and two more shafts were dug. The first one missed its intended target of an, ele of an, of an alleged flood tunnel while the other inner intersected the original shaft via a branched off tunnel at around 105 feet deep. Now both of these shafts were filled with water when an alleged flood tunnel was again breached. At one point one of the platforms placed in the original shaft at 98 feet collapsed and dropped to a lower level. The effect caused the next two platforms to drop as well with the treasure now resting some 119 feet below ground along with the estimated 10,000 board feet of lumber. So what do you think about so far about this excavation? Well, it sounds like they needed, you know, call a scuba diver because stop excavating and just die for it. You think it's like somewhere underwater? Well, if it keeps dropping underneath the water and the sea keeps coming in to distract you, I'm going with Get a scuba diver, expert scuba diver to go on and get that. You yeah. save more money getting them to just die for it than freaking excavating. Okay, let's see if that's what they do. So, the first of six accidental deaths during excavation accidental. Occurred, okay, occurred during the fall of 1861 when a pump engine boiler burst. The, explo uh, the explosion was first mentioned in, eight, the eight, in an 1863 novel entitled Rambles Among the Blue Noses, while mention of a death came five years later. Another shaft was dug in the spring of 1862, one of which was 107 feet deep, and this new shaft was parallel to and connected to the original shaft as it was used, as, used to pump water out of the original shaft to a depth of 103 feet. Although the pumps could not keep with the flood water, tools that had been used by the Onslow and Truro companies were recovered. The Oak Island Association also did some work at Smith's Cove by drilling a few shafts in an attempt to shut off and seal the alleged flood tunnels. All of these attempts were failures in the end due to the tide which eventually broke through bar uh, barriers that were put in place. 
One final attempt was made in 1864 to intersect the money pit, resulting in alleged flood tunnels again being breached. By this time, salt water was uh, undermining the walls of the original shaft, which some workers refused to enter. The original shaft was inspected by mining engineers who declared it unsafe, and the company abandoned their efforts when their money ran out. So yeah, what do you think about this whole Oak Island Association thing? Um, again, some ghost from the city definitely doesn't want you getting into their project. You think the Leave it alone. You think the sea ghosts caused the boiler to explode? Well, to be honest, it's a possibility because seawater has salt in mm -hmm. it. And if just a little bit got in near it, it can pretty much dissolve because of the, and eat away the boiler and it can explode from there. Mm -hmm. Simple science. Okay. Oh, shoot, I'm not supposed to be on the science fault. Oh no. So let's go on to 1866. A group known as the Oak Island Eldorado Company, more commonly known as the Halifax Company, was formed to find the treasure. By this time, there were many shafts, boreholes, bore and tunnels under Oak Island made by previous treasure hunters. When a plan to shut off the alleged flood tunnels from Smith's Cove didn't work, the company decided to shift focus to the original main shaft. Exploratory holes that were drilled turned up bits of wood, more coconut fiber, soft clay, and blue mud. Having found nothing of interest, the group gave up the search in 1867. So in 1896, an unknown group arrived at the island with steam pumps and boring equipment. Although the pumps were unable to keep water out of the flooded side shaft, boring samples were taken, and it was claimed that one of the samples brought by a tiny piece of sheepskin parchment to the surface. And the parchment had two letters, Vi or Y, written in India ink. The second hmm. accidental death occurred in March 26, 1897, when a worker named Maynard Kaiser fell to his death. In 1898, red paint was poured into the flooded pit by a group by the group, reportedly revealing three exit holes around the island. So, what do you think? What do you think about the parchment that had the letters Vi or Y in India ink? That is very interesting and makes it a little special. Uh, where was this about again? Where was is this? Is it anywhere near India? This was in. This was in Nova Scotia. Which is in Canada. Hmm. See, that's in interesting. That means sailors from somewhere else were after this treasure. It's almost like the city of gold. So many people lose their lives for such things. Mm -hmm. The sea will further take anything it wishes. Okay. But the city of gold is in Canada. No, no, no. It's not in Canada? The city of gold is, is, is in South America. Oh, okay. So why are they but looking it's in... like the city of gold where everyone kept sending people to go and get it and none of them returned. Oh, okay. But this but this time it's in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think this whole those do you think the parchment has something to do with what's under there? 
it could possibly be a little piece of whatever treasure they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this. Okay, let's talk about Captain Henry L. Bowden, who arrived at Oak Island on August 1909, representing the old gold salvage group, one of whose members was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. <gasps> oh, Americans getting their fingers and things again. Mm-hmm. Now, by this time, by the uh, by this time, the area now known as the Money Pit was cleared out to 113 feet, and divers were sent down to the investigate. Although multiple borings were taken in and around the pit, none of the cores revealed anything of interest. Now, Bowden also ex uh, examined Smith's Cove, where drain tunnels and a ring bolt in in a, in a rock had reportedly. Uh, been seen. Although the group found remains of the 1850 uh, cofferdom, no evidence of anything else was found. Bowden later examined the stone cipher in Halifax and found it and found it a basalt rock with no symbols. And he was doubtful that symbols could have been worn off the rock given its hardness and the group left the island in November 1909 so that was that was fruitless so let's fast forward to 1928 the New York newspaper published a feature story about Oak Island and William Chapel became interested and excavated the pit in 1931 by sinking a 12 by 14 uh, foot 163 foot shaft southwest of what he believed was the site of the 1897 shaft which was thought without evidence to be near the original pit at night and eight at 127 feet a number of artifacts including an axe a fluke anchor and a pick were found and the pick was identified as a cornish miner's pick but by this time the area around the pit was littered with debris from previous excavation attempts and finding the owner was impossible. So what do you think about that? About the axe, the anchor, and the pick? Someone got swept away by the sea. You don't think it was like there originally? You think it was from a previous investigation or an, an uh, uh, excavation? If it was, it wasn't one that was recorded and noted. <gasps> it's possible. So let's talk about Gilbert Hedden, an operator of a steel fabricating company who saw the 1928 article and was fascinated by the engineering problems involved in recovering and report the reported treasure. Hedden made six trips to Oak Island and collected books and articles about the island. He went to England to consult Harold T. Wilkins, author of Captain Kidd and his Skeleton Island, about the link he found between Oak Island and a map in Wilkins' book. After Chappelle's investigation, uh, excavations, Hedden began digging in the summer of 1935 after he purchased the southeastern end of the island. In 1939, he informed King George VI about developments on the island. Further excavations were made in 1935 and 1936, not one of which was successful. So, there goes that. So, what do you think about those two? Well, 
when things aren't successful, what else is there to do but keep going again? Yep, and they're going to keep you know, going. Wait a couple hundred more years and put it down in your books and see what happens. Okay. Well, let's talk about Robert Restall next and his 18-year-old son uh, and work partner, Carrie Greiser, came to Oak Island in 1959 after singing a, signing a contract with one of the property owners. In 1965, they tried to seal what was thought to be the, a storm drain in Smith's Cove and dug a shaft down 27 feet. On August 17th, Restel was overcome by hydration sulfide fumes. Oh, hydrogen sulfide fumes. His son then went down the shaft and also lost consciousness. Greiser and two others, uh, Cyril Hiltz and Andy DeMont, then attempted to save the two men. A visitor to the site, Edward White, had himself lowered on a rope into the shaft, but was able to bring out only DeMont. Restel and his son, Grazer, Hilt, Grazer and Hilt, all died. So. Man. Died for something you're never going to see for. Oh, snap. Now, but in that year, Robert Dunfield leased portions of the island. Dunfield dug, a, dug the pit area to a depth of 134 feet and a width of 100 feet by using a 70-ton digging crane with a calm bucket. Or clam bucket, transportation to the crane of the crane to the island required the construction of a causeway, uh, which still exists there to this day, uh, from the western end of the island's Crandall's Point to the mainland, 200 meters away. Let's see how much that is in American. Oh, that's about uh, 660 feet. Yeah, that's not bad. Okay. Uh, Dunfield's lease ended in August 1966. So in January 1967, Daniel C. Blockenship, David Tobias, Robert Dunfield, remember him from earlier, and Fred Nolan formed a syndicate for exploration on Oak Island. Two years later, Blankenship and Tobias formed the Triton Alliance after purchasing most of the island. Several former landowners, including Mel Chappelle, <coughs> became shareholders in Triton and Triton workers excavated a 235 feet uh, shaft known as Borehole 10X and supported by a steel callison to bedrock in 1971. So according to Blokenship and Tobias, cameras lowered down on the shaft into the cave recorded possible chests, hidden remains, wooden cribbing and tools however the images were unclear and none of the claims have been independently confirmed the shaft later collapsed and the excavation was again abandoned hmm. what do you think about that oh look at that man to put something put all your hard work into something find something and can't find reasonable evidence of what it actually is and then it collapsed because it doesn't like your attitude mm -hmm. so let's see oh so according to blokenship ship and tobias blah 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 blah. now the shaft was later redug to 181 feet reaching bedrock but work was halted due to lack of funds and the collapse of the partnership divers sent to the bottom of borehole 10x in 2016 found no such artifacts. Hmm. 
So the island was a subject of the of, of an episode of In Search of, which was first broadcast in January 18th of 1979. In 1983, in 1983, Trident Alliance sued Frederick Nolan over the ownership of seven lots on the island and its causeway success access. Two years later, Nolan's ownership with the lots was confirmed, but he was ordered to pay damages for interfering with Triton's tourist business. On appeal, Triton lost again in 1989, and Nolan's damages were reduced. So during the 1990s, further exclamation stalled due to legal battles between the Triton partners and lack of financing. In 2005, a portion of the island was for sale for $7 million. Lot 5 was currently owned by Robert S. Young of Upper uh, Tantalon, uh, Nova Scotia, who purchased it from Frederick G. Nolan of Bedford, Nova Scotia in June 1996. Although the Oak Island Tourism Society had hoped that the government of Canada would purchase the island, a group of U.S. drillers did so instead of course <laughs> what you think it's the Amer? what's what do you think about the americans and all that we gotta put our fingers in everything <laughs> even the the money the money pit we need the money yeah we will put things into money pit and go broke before we admit that we're wrong oh snap what were you, were you wrong about this time i don't know yet keep reading <laughs> Okay. Let's see where we ended up at. Okay. So, uh, now it was announced that in April 2006 that the brothers Rick and Marty Lagida of Michigan had purchased 50% of Oak Island Tours from David Tobias for an undisclosed sum. The rest of the company is owned by Blankenship. Now, Center Road Developments, in conjunction with Alan Korsheva and Brian Erbach, who are members of the Michigan group, had purchased Lot 25 from David Tobias for a reported $230,000, one year before Tobias showed the rest of his share. Now, the Michigan group, working with Blankenship, said that it would resume operations in Oak Island in the hope of discovering buried treasure and solving the island's mystery. <coughs> In July 2018, I mean not 18, 2010, Blankenship and other stakeholders in Oak Island Tours announced on their website that the Nova Scotia Department of Natural Resources and the Department of Tourism, Culture, and Heritage had granted them a treasure trove license, which allowed them to resume activities until December 31st, 2010. After December 2010, all departments repealed the treasure trove license and replaced it with an Oak Island Treasure Act. Now the act, which became effective in Jan 1, 2011, allows treasure hunting to continue on the island under terms of a license issued by the Minister of National Resources. Uh, exploration by the Lugina brothers had been documented in a reality television show airing on the History Channel starting in 2014, which is one of those shows where, you know, it's like Bigfoot hunting shows where nothing really happens. Well, of course. <laughs> Now, that's basically all the excavations that happened from back in the 1790s all the way until now. So what do you think? Do you think we would have found it already if there was something down there? Um, maybe when we did it at like 200 and something feet. Maybe, because it was the furthest down we could have gone. Mm. But I mean, even before that, when they did the red paint, 
into the thing and saw three opening shafts. That means it, there might be actual tunnels out there that, or underneath where they dig. Mm -hmm. And every time they dig further down, they're just opening another tunnel. Mm -hmm. So it could possibly be moving around whatever treasure that it was. Do you think the, the seawater wouldn't have ruined it if there was something down there? Depends it, on what it is. Oh, uh, okay. Because it's constantly flooding. Yeah. I mean, the sea or ghosts that are part of the sea that got pulled down that controlled that island are keeping people from finding it. Mm-hmm. So according to an account written in 1862, after the Onslow Company had excavated to 80 to 90 feet, the pit flooded with seawater up to 33 feet, uh, up to the 33-foot level, and attempts to remove the water were unsuccessful. Explorers have made claims about an elaborate drainage system extending from the ocean beaches to the pit. Later treasure hunters claimed that coconut fibers were discovered beneath the surface of a, surface of a beach, Cove's Smith's Cove in 1851. Now this led to the theory that the beach had been converted into a siphon, feeding seawater into the pit through a man-made tunnel. A sample of this material was reportedly sent to the Smithsonian during the early 20th century, where it was concluded that the material was coconut fiber. Now, although one expedition claimed to have found a flood tunnel lined with flat stones at 90 feet, geologist Robert Dunfield wrote that he carefully examined the walls and re-excavated the pit and was able to locate any evidence of a tunnel. So, at the invitation of Boston-area businessman, David Mugar, a two-week survey was conducted by the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution in 1995, the only known scientific study conducted on the site. After running dive tests in the borehole, the institution concluded that the flooding was caused by a natural interaction between the island's freshwater lens and the tidal pressures of the underlying geology, refuting the man-made tunnel theory. So whatever is there, it's a natural thing. It wasn't made by somebody else. So, the Woods Hole scientists who viewed in 1971 videos reported that nothing conclusive could be determined from a, the murky images. Uh, so, reported five-finger, or box, drains at Sm Smith's Coast have recently been uh, thought to be the remains of an early salt works with no connection between the drains on any flooding of the pit. Now, Oak Island lies on a glacial tumulus system and is underlain by a series of water-filled anhydrite cavities, which may be responsible for the repeated flooding of the pit. This type of limestone easily dissolves when exposed to water, forming caves and natural voids. Bedrock lies at the depth of 38 to 45 meters or 125 to 148 feet in the pit area. So that's the whole thing about um, the water going into the pit. So we know that it is more, it's a natural thing, it is not a man-made thing. So what do you think about that? I mean, if it's not man-made, that means the ocean, fresh and salt are working against us humans. You know, nature doing nature things. <gasps> oh yeah. So let's talk about that stone with the markings. 
So the stone that was found at 90 feet below the surface is said to be inscribed with mysterious markings. And it was first reported on July 12, 1862, Halifax Sun in an advisor article, which mentioned a June 2nd, 1862 letter by J.B. McCulley, which retold the story of the stone. Now, offering a secondhand description of its discovery during the early 1800s excavation, McCulley wrote, Some layers were charcoal, some putty, and, it, and one at 80 feet was a stone-cut square, two feet long and about a foot thick with several characters cut into it. And in an 1863 newspaper article, the stone was said to have been built into the chimney of an old house near the pit. Another article a year later claimed that the stone was held by the Smith family. On January 2, 1864, Historical Society of Nova Scotia Secretary John Hunter Duvar contacted treasure hunter George Cook on in January 27th letter to Hunter Duvar, Cook claimed that the Smith that Smith built the stone into his chimney in 1824 and said that he has he was shown the stone by Smith and the chimney at around 1850 when there was some crudely cut letters, figures or characters upon it. I cannot recollect which but they appear as if the stone was no longer as they have been carved out by a blunt instrument rather than car carved out with a sharp one. According to Cook, when he made inquiries in 1864, he discovered that the chimney had been enclosed in wood and surrounded by a staircase, and the stone was no longer visible. An outdated post, 1893 letter by William Blair, read, Jefferson W. MacDonald, who first mentioned Oak Island to me in 1893, worked under George Mitchell, Mr. MacDonald, who was a carpenter by trade, also told of taking down a portion of Smith's house in order that he, with others, might examine the characters cut in on the stone used in the fireplace um, in the house. The characters were all were there all right, but no person present could decipher them. Now, Mitchell was a superintendent of works for the Oak Island Association, which formed in April 3rd, 1861, and ceased operation by March 29th, 1865. So what do you think about that so far, about the whole markings things, that it came from this chimney from this house that was nearby? I mean, is someone still living in the house? I, uh, I doubt it. Well, how old is the house? I mean, we can see how old lots of things are. You're telling um, me you haven't looked to see how old the house is? I th I think it was been there since like the 1860s. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If the person that used to work um lived there is the one responsible. Yeah, it was lived there by the Smith family. Who where the person who Smith the Smith's Cove was named after? So, who knows? Now in yes, his knows? <laughs> so his an eighteen seventy two novel, The Treasure of the Seas. James DeMille describes being a summer resident of Chester Basin during the late uh, later eighteen sixties. DeVille, DeMille lived on Oak Island for a summer and had first hand knowledge of the area. The characters in the novel find that the stone had been removed from the chimney when they arrived on the island. 
Until then, no one had been able to decode the mysterious symbols reportedly on the stone, in which an inland lord describes them describes as rather faint and irregular. He also says that men who don't believe in kids' treasure say that it isn't an inscription at all. It's only some accidental scratches. So, huh. what do you think about that? That would be interesting, but you have to have an imagination for it to work. Mm -hmm. This came from a novel, by the way. It came from a fiction novel. So, I wouldn't exactly, like, take this as truth. So, Reginald Vanderbilt Harris wrote in, uh, uh, wrote in his 1858 book, The Oak Island Mystery, about 1865 to 1866, the stone was removed and taken to Halifax. Among those who worked to remove the stone was Jefferson W. MacDonald. Now, the Blair letter mentioned above states that MacDonald took down the portion part, partition of in order to examine the stone, not to remove it. Now, Harris provides no source for the claim that the stone was removed in 1865 or 1866. The next mention of the stone is in 1893 Oak Island Treasure Company's prospectus. Now, according to the prospectus, the stone was taken out of the chimney and moved to Halifax. There, James Light was said to have deciphered the stone as reading, 10 feet below are 2 million pounds buried. Which kind of also kind of aligns with the, the, captain, the, the captain kid, 2 million pounds buried in the money pit thing. So, do you think that's what the stone says? Uh, stone probably says, beware, those who try to work here are doomed to die. <laughs> Maybe. So, on August 19th, 1911, Collier's Magazine published a first-hand account by Captain H.L. Bowden of the stone, which was uh, then in use at Creighton's Brook, and, Brook Bindery in Halifax. Now, Bowden described the rocks as of a basalt type, hard and fine-grained. The stone he saw had no symbols on it. Although Bowden was told that they had worn off, he was skeptical because of the stone's hardness. Now, according to Charles B. Driscoll's 1929 book, The Oak Island Treasure, uh, which was based on secondhand accounts, and this is uh, an excerpt from page uh, 685 of that book. So, the stone was shown to everyone who visited the island in those days. Smith built this stone into his fireplace with the strange characters outermost, so that, most, so that visitors might see and admire it. Now, many years after his death, the stone was removed from the fireplace and taken to Halifax, where the local servants, uh, yeah, sav savants, were unable to translate the inscription. It was then taken to the home of J.B. McCulley in Truro, where it was examined, exhibited to hundreds of friends of the McCulleys who became interested in a later treasure company. Uh, somehow the stone fell into the hands of a bookbinder, which used it as a base upon which to beat leather for many years. A generation later, with the inscription nearly worn away, the stone has found its way to a bookstore in Halifax, and what happened to it after that I was unable to learn. But there, was, there are plenty of people living who have seen the stone 
Nobody, however, ever seriously per, uh, pretended to translate the inscription. So, that's the story of the, the stone. So, what do you think? Uh, someone taking a stone from a place they shouldn't have taken. People trying to figure it out have no way to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like there's something missing somewhere, but we don't know what. Mm -hmm. Now, the stone was actually reportedly bought by A.O. Crichton of the 1866 expedition from the Smith home to Crichton's book bindery in Halifax. Harry W. Marshall, the son of the owner of the book bindery, wrote in 1935 that, one, he well remembered seeing the stone as a boy. Two, while in Crane's possession, some lad had his cut had cut his initials JM in one corner. But apart from that, from but apart from this, there was no evidence of any inscription either cut or painted on the stone. Three, Crane used the stones for a beating for a beating stone and weight. Four, when the business was closed in 1819, the stone was left behind. So one researcher claimed that the cipher translated was 40 feet below 2 million pounds lie buried. The symbols associated with the 40 feet below its translation first appeared in 1949's True Tales of Buried Treasure by explorer and historian Edward Rowe Snow. In his book, Snow said that he received a set of symbols from Reverend A.T. Kepton of Cambridge, but no information was provided as to how or where Kempton obtained them. It was found that Kempton had stated in a letter dated April 1949 that he had obtained his information from a school teacher long since dead. So, what do you think? Do you think that there really is an inscription on that stone? And if there was, did it say 40 feet below, 2 million pounds are buried? If it was only 40 feet below, they would have found it by now. Well, that's true. Because they, they, they were digging like 100, 100 feet, like 120 feet. Yeah. So do you but think, I mean, yeah. if, if they're saying that possibly the fresh water from the island and the salt water was mixing and causing caverns, it's a possibility. But that would mean there's a cavern somewhere closer to the top mm -hmm. that could have ruptured and put it further down yeah it or unfortunately it's already been found and someone just didn't remove the mark maybe do you think that there even is any marks in that stone i mean if they are they're gone now but it's no telling there might have been marks there might not have been marks mm. So let's talk about Roosevelt. So stirred by family stories originating from his sailing and trading grandfather and Oak Island financer, Warren Delano Jr. began following the mystery while in late 1909 and early 1910. Roosevelt continued to follow it until his death in 1945. Throughout his political career, he monitored the island's recovery attempts and development. Although the president secretly planned to visit Oak Island in 1939, while he was in Halifax, fog and the international situation prevented him from doing so because of, you know, uh, World War II. 
was going on. Now, Australian-American actor Errol Flynn invested in a Noak Island treasure dig. Actor John Wayne also invested in the drilling equipment used in the island and offered his equipment to be used to help solve the mystery. William Vincent Astor, heir to the Astor family fortune after his father died on the Titanic, was a passive investor in digging the treasure on the island. And we also have Rear Admiral Richard E. Byrd Jr., who was also a passive investor on an Oak Island exploration and treasure hunting and monitored their status. Now, Byrd advised uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt about the island, and the men forged a relationship forming the United States Antarctic Service, uh, which is a federal government program with Byrd nominally normally in command. So let's talk about what might be under there. Let's see. So wide-ranging speculation exists about how the pit was formed and what might it might contain. According to Joe Nickel, there is no treasure. The pit is a natural phenomenon, Poss probably a sinkhole connected with limestone passages or caverns. Now suggestions, suggestions that the pit was a natural phenomenon which is accumulated debris in a sinkhole or geographical fault date to at least 1911. And a number of sinkholes and caves to which the booby traps were attributed exist on the mainland near the island. Now, its resemblance to a human-made pit had been suggested as partly due to the textures of natural accumulated debris and sinkholes. Now, this filling would be softer than surrounding ground and gave the impression that it had been dug up before. The platforms of rotten logs have been attributed to trees damaged by the blowdowns of wildfires periodically falling or washing into the hollow. Now another pit, similar to the early description of the money pit, was discovered in the area in 1949, when workmen were digging a well on the shore of Mahone Bay, at a point where the earth was soft. At about two feet down, a layer of filled stone was struck. Then logs of spruce and oak were unearthed at irregular intervals, and some of the wood was charred. The immediate suspicion was that another money pit had been found. So what do you think? Do you think that there is no treasure there? I mean, it, there could be treasure. It could not be treasure. It just depends on, I mean, finding charred wood that could be from 1800 because charred wood makes uh it's not coal charcoal when happened and in the olden days that's what they used to make ships and things go so it is no telling <laughs> So let's talk about uh, the thing about Captain Kidd. Uh, now, Kidd and Henry Avery reportedly took treasure together. The, and Oak Island was a community bank. Another pirate theory involved Edward Teach, a.k.a. Blackbeard, who was, mm. who was said to have buried his treasure where none but Satan and myself can find it, which is what he said. Now, Templars, Masons, or Incans... Uh, seeking to squirrel their treasure away from Spanish con uh, conquistadors 
may have created the money pit, according to William S. Croker. But Crocker, oh, Williams Crocker, but Crocker stated it was more likely that British engineers and sailors dug the pit to store loot acquired in the British invasion of Cuba during the French Indian War, valued at one million pounds. Now, other possible explanations include the money pit being dug by Spanish sailors to hold treasure from a wrecked galleon or by British troops stationed there during the American Revolution. Now, John Goodwin, uh, Godwin wrote uh, that given the apparent size and complexity of the pit, it was probably dug by French army engineers hiding the treasury of the, fo of the fortress of Louisbourg after the British forces captured the fortress during the French-Indian War. So, that's the other thing. Do you think it was pirates, uh, British, or French people who, who put in treasure, if there is any? Pirates. You think it's the pirates? I think that's the most logical one. Um, now let's talk about uh, other legends that may have, in, in, have been invented uh, to falsely link various historical persons with Oak Island, and none of these are proven. These are just theories of what might be under there. So, some unproven stories allege that Marie Antoinette's jewels, missing except for specimens in museum collections, may have been hidden on the island. On October 5th, 1789, revolutionaries incited an angry mob of Parisian working women to march on the Palace of Versailles. According to an undocumented story, Marie Antoinette instructed her maid, or lady-in-waiting, to flee with her jewels, and the maid fled London with the jewels and perhaps artwork documents or other treasures secreted in their per on her person and or luggage. The woman then laid from London to, you guessed it, Nova Scotia. So, hmm. What do you think about that? Hmm. The possibility, did she make it out? Yeah, she made it out to, she, she escaped uh, Versailles and she escaped Versailles to London and then she moved from London to Nova Scotia. Wow. So it's a possibility that in... Marie Antoinette's own jewels lay somewhere on the island. Yep, maybe. Who knows? Now, in his 1853 book, The Oak Island Enigma, Penn Leary wrote that the pit was used to hide manuscripts in, uh, indicating that Francis Bacon was the author of William Shakespeare's work and a leader of the Rosicrucians. Now, Leary... Oh, wow. <laughs> what? Now... Just the whole that there's no such thing as William Shakespeare. Someone else wrote it under yeah. that pen name. Yeah, you think it was Bacon? So uh, they say that the proof that Bacon actually wrote Shakespeare's plays was actually is, is located in the Money Pit. Yes, but we can't find such evidence now, can we? Uh, but it's it in is the Money Pit. Gone with the sea. Okay. Now, Leary's A Second Cryptographic Shakespeare, published in 1990, identified ciphers in Shakespeare's plays and poems which pointed to Bacon's authorship. Now, author and researcher Mark Finnan elaborated on Leary's Oak Island theory, which was also used in the Norwegian book uh, The Seven Steps to Mercy by Erlen Lowe and Peter Amundsen and the TV series Sweet Swan of Avon. 
Now, uh, in his book, Oak Island Secrets, Mark Finnan noted that many Masonic markings were found on Oak Island, and the shaft or pit and its mysterious contents seem to uh, replicate aspects of a Masonic initiation rite, involving a hidden vault with sacred treasure. Now, Joe Nickel identifies parallels between Oak Island accounts and the secret vault allegory in the York Rite Freemasonry uh, and the Chase Vault of Barbados. Mason Dennis King examines the Masonic aspects of Oak Island legend in his article, The Oak Island Legend, The Masonic Angle. Seven Sora speculated, Stephen Sora speculated that the pit could have been dug by exiled Knights Templar and might be the final resting place of the Holy Grail or the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, oh my goodness. This place hides so many things. <laughs> what do you think about that? Could it be the Holy Grail or the Ark of the Covenant might be in there? Nah. You don't think so? The William Shakespeare, Kevin Bacon, or something the Bacon. Kevin Bacon, maybe. the actor? But the Holy Grail? Nah. But even even the Antoinette theory? That her jewels might be there? No, that, that's a possibility. If her actual lady-in-waiting fled and ended up there, that's also a possibility. Yeah. But, but you, the Holy Grail? Nah. You, you don't think that it was made by exiled Knights Templar? No, no, no. Okay. Right, I put I put my line there. I can believe the uh, evidence that whatever Bacon is William Shakespeare. I can do jewelry from Mary Antoinette. I can believe, but the Holy Grail, nah. I, I there's a line there. Okay. So now another theory holds that the Rosicrucians and the reported leader Francis Bacon organized a secret project to make Oak Island the home of its legendary vault with ingenious means to conceal ancient manuscripts and artifacts. Researchers and cryptographers such as Peter Amundsen and Daniel Ronstam claim to have found codes hidden in Shakespeare, rock formations on the island, and clues hidden in other 16th and 17th century art and historical documents. So it's a real Dan Brown situation. Now, according to Daniel Ronstam, the stone found at 90 feet contains a dual cipher created by Bacon. Maybe, who knows. Now, Arthur Joy Steele suggests that the money pit is actually a tar kiln, or yeah, a, or a tar kiln, yeah, a tar kiln dating to the historical period when Oak Island served as a tar making location as part of the British naval stores industry. When marine biologist Barry Fell attempted to have the symbols on the stone translated during the 1970s, he said the symbols resembled a, the Coptic alphabet to read, To escape contagion of plague and winter hardships, he is to pray for, for an end or mitigation of the arif. The people will perish in misery if they forget the Lord, alas. Now, according to Fell's story, Coptic migrants sailed from North Africa to Oak Island and constructed the pit. However, Fell is not considered to be credible by most, most mainstream academics. And that is the story of the money, Oak Island mystery. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
So, final thoughts. What do you think about the Oak Island mystery and the money pit? Well, it's definitely, in a sense, a money pit because we've had excavations of lots of people coming to try to get a treasure and they kept losing money digging that pit. Okay. Well, if you want to keep in track of how that goes, you can watch the Oak Island Curse show on history and watch them just not do anything or the curse of oak island show and just watch them just not find anything for who knows how long while as they get those tv ratings yeah uh so yeah i mean do you think we'll ever find what's under there no no you don't think so you think it's pretty much like like oh like not uh, not obtainable I don't think we were meant to find it just yet. Okay. So, do you think there's anything under there, if there is anything? If there is... It's a possibility, but I can't really say. Okay. I'm thinking if there is something under there, uh, the, the most logical one is the pirate gold theory. That's the most logical one. Um, yeah. the whole idea that the, that it was made, that, uh, it was hidden, it, it hides, uh, Mary Antoinette's jewels or lost Shakespeare manuscripts are kind of a bit out there. Uh, but so I'm thinking it's most likely pirate gold or it's a natural phenomenon and we as humans just mistook it for a man-made thing. So, yeah, I mean, that's the Oak Island mystery. How did you think about that one? That's interesting, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you think you ever do you do you want to go do an excavation on the money pit? No. <gasps> no. Why not? It sounds because very safe. It's a money pit. I'm not going to stick my money where there's nothing I'm going to gain from it. Okay. Sounds like a plan. So, yeah, that's the Oak Island mystery. I've been Nathaniel Avila. And I'm Hung Yu. And we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Vision Podcast, home of Wacky Talkies, The Kingdom, Evil Exists, and many more.